You are listening to a message from the Living Word community in Center City, Philadelphia. We are followers of Jesus Christ, called to love God and love people, to share Jesus and help people experience true life change that can only come from knowing Him. We hope that you enjoy this message today. Thank you, Ephraim. Let's just uh, look to the Lord with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you for once again giving us the opportunity to be together uh, on a Sunday morning. Uh, We're grateful for the privilege to be able to worship you, to be able to lift up our voices and sing your name, sing of your salvation, sing of the good things that you have done for us. Lord, we are grateful for the forgiveness that was purchased for us through your son, Jesus Christ, through his death. We are grateful for the glorious resurrection and the power and the victory that we have because Jesus Christ is alive and he lives forever, uh, never to die again, because your word clearly declares that he died once and for all. And his one sacrifice, his one death, was sufficient for all sin, for all time. What what an awesome thing. What an awesome thing. We're grateful for your word and for the things that you teach us and show us through your word. And Father, we know that you want us to study your word, to read your word, and to uh, apply it to our lives. Uh, And as Ephraim just reminded us, we need your spirit to Help us to understand we need your spirit to lead and guide us. We need your spirit to direct us. And so we pray right now that your spirit would be present, that he would be speaking to us, that he would be showing us, that he would be bringing light to us as we look at your word together. Father, we want everything that we do ultimately to be pleasing to you. We want your name to be glorified. We want your name to be lifted up. We want you to receive all that you are so worthy and so deserving of. And so we pray that in this time together, these are the things that we will see happen. And we ask all this, we pray all this, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Well, it's good to see you folks here this morning. As always, it's good to be together. It's a blessing to be able to be together, to worship the Lord together and now to hear the scriptures together. Uh, For those of you who were here last week or heard the message last week, uh, Dan gave us an excellent introduction into the book of Jeremiah, into the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, Very grateful for that encouraging word and really emphasized on the fact that God is our father, that we turn to him as a father, and what a blessing it is to be able to do that. Um, This morning we are actually going to just take a pause Uh, from looking at Jeremiah. Uh, We will continue to encourage you all to be reading Jeremiah on your own. Uh, That schedule continues. We have copies of that schedule in the back, so if you have been reading Jeremiah, it's a chapter a day, we encourage you to keep doing that. If you have not, we certainly invite you to jump in. Uh, Today is Jeremiah chapter 14. You can try to catch up and read 14 chapters if you want to, but if not, that's totally fine but we encourage you to be reading along with us. But this morning what we're going to do is we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. 
We are going to talk about spiritual gifts. This was a topic that came up in our leaders meeting a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we felt there was a lot of really uh, excellent encouragement, excellent reminders that were given in that leaders meeting. And so when we as, as, as the elders after that leaders meeting kind of talked and prayed and processed some of what was shared, we thought it would be of great benefit to take at least one Sunday, you know, maybe more, we'll see how today goes, just to sort of remind ourselves, what does the scripture say about the gifts of the Spirit? Now this is, of course, a, a huge topic. Even as I was just looking at a couple of chapters this past week, there's far more in just those two chapters than possibly going to be able to cover in our time together this morning. And those are just two chapters. That doesn't even go into all the other places where the gifts of the Spirit are either put on display just by narrative, such as in the book of Acts, or where they are talked about in other places of Scripture. But what we are going to do this morning is we're going to look a little bit at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to look a little bit at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And of course, many of you are aware that there is a chapter 13 that stands right in the middle of 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. We're not going to take the time to look at that in particular, but we are going to make a comment about that. Because as the Spirit of God was inspiring the Apostle Paul to write the church in Corinth about the spiritual gifts, embedded in sort of some very general principles in chapter 12 and some very specific principles in chapter 14, was one of the most beautiful and incredible declarations of love in all of Scripture, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And so, of course, it's not at all a, a coincidence, or it's not that Paul kind of got confused and said, wait a second, am I talking about the gifts, or am I talking about love? Incredibly intentional. And so it's impossible, I think, to talk about the gifts of the Spirit without talking about love, because love is absolutely the foundation of the gifts of the Spirit. And that's what the Apostle Paul says. At the end of chapter 12, he says, I'm going to show you a still greater way. And that is the way of love. And even at the beginning of chapter 14, as he launches into a fairly, a fairly technical description of the gifts of prophecy and tongues and to a certain extent interpretation, he begins that by saying, but actively pursue, chase after love. And so as we look a little bit at 1 Corinthians 12, as we look a little bit at, at 1 Corinthians 14, I really want us to remember the context of 1 Corinthians 13, which is, in order to see the gifts of the Spirit operate in the way the Lord wants them to, the foundation must be love. The foundation must be love. And we can never, ever, ever shift from that. We can never, ever, ever move from that. And that's why chapter 13 is right there in the middle of the longest explanation and discourse on the gifts of the Spirit in the New Testament. So I want us to keep that in mind. So anyways, we'll get to Jeremiah more next week. Whoever is preaching, I forget off the top of my head, I think Carl is preaching next week. Is that right? Someone is preaching next week, unless the Lord comes again, and then we won't need any preaching because we'll be in the presence of the Lord. I imagine they will pick it up in Jeremiah next week. But turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And like I say, in 12 and 14, there's, there's far more material than we are going to even 
possibly be able to cover together today. So we will just kind of pick out a couple of things that I think are very important for us, for the most part, just to kind of remind ourselves of. You know, we are a church that embraces the gifts of the Spirit. We are a church that wants to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. So again, we think it's very, very worthwhile just to make sure that what we are doing is as, as close as possible to the guidelines that the scriptures give us, because obviously this is God's inerrant and inspired and eternal word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will stand forever. Uh, the Apostle Paul takes the instructions that he was giving to the church at Corinth very, very seriously. Um, I can't remember now exactly where it is, but he said, look, what I have written you, this is at the end of, of chapter 14. Um, this is chapter 14, verse 37. He says, if anybody thinks he is a prophet or spiritually gift him, gifted, let him acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. Verse 38 of, of 1 Corinthians 14. If he ignores that, he himself will be ignored. And so again, we want to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. We want to see the gifts of the Spirit present in our midst. But those words that Paul uses to conclude sort of his section on it, uh, what I'm writing you is the Lord's command. And if you think you're spiritual, and if you think you're a prophet, you better understand that this is the Lord's command. And if you disregard this, you will be disregarded. That, I, I had never really seen that before. Years ago, of course, I'd studied 12 and 14, and, uh, you know, it, it's amazing. The Word of God is so deep. The Word of God is so in, instructional, so powerful. I'd never really focused on verses 37 and 38 before, but when I read that, I was like, wow. You know, not, not that the Scripture isn't serious. Of course it is, as, as Ephraim just reminded us. But Paul was, like, saying, look, what, what I have just written you is how the Lord expects the gifts of the Spirit to work in his church. And so you better take seriously the instructions that I just wrote you. Uh, yeah, that just, it, it gave me a little pause. <laughs> it gave me a little pause. Because, of course, as one of the elders here, I'm one of the, the, the human shepherds that ultimately are responsible for you. And ultimately are responsible for how the gifts are in operation here. And that's, yeah, that's not something that I don't think any of us as elders take lightly. But that was just kind of one of those reminders, like, wow. So, Lord, help us really to take to heart the instructions that you are giving us help us really to do everything that we can to walk these things out in a way that, that you want us to, because this is your command. And I don't want to be disregarded because I'm disregarding what you say to us in your word. Uh, but anyways, let's step it back a couple chapters. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's initially read verses 4 to 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 4 to 11, and then we're going to jump down and read chapter 27 to 31. So as you can see, there's going to be big chunks that we're going to skip. It's there. You can read it on your own. It's wonderful, good stuff. But I am just going to kind of dip into these waters selectively. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 4 to 11. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in everyone. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given 
for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So please jump down with me to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire or be intent on the greater gifts. And now I will show you the most excellent way. So let's pause here and just kind of try to extract from those two passages some of the command of the Lord that the Apostle Paul is giving us. Well, in that opening section, verses 4 to 11, there are two often repeated phrases or principles. There is a diversity of gifts, but there is one Spirit. There is a variety of workings, of manifestations, of giftings, but there is one God, there is one Lord, there is one Spirit who stands behind all of them. And it is so important that those two basic principles are absolutely embedded in our understanding of the gifts. There is diversity, but there is oneness. There is a variety of ways that the one God and the one Holy Spirit works in our midst. And Paul just gives us a, a brief sampling of that. He gives us a list of nine. And if you've grown up in charismatic circles, this is sort of the, the, the standard, the nine gifts that are mentioned in verses 7 to 11. But it's interesting because he gives us another list at the end of chapter 12. And he actually includes in that list some things that were not mentioned in the first Corinthians, first part of 1 Corinthians 12. Looking more closely at verses 28 and 29, he talks about apostles. Well, apostles was not a gift that was mentioned in the earlier portion, because apostle is an office 
not necessarily a gift that is a, a working. Then he talks about prophets. Then he talks about teachers. Now, it's interesting because then I, NIV continues to use the designation of people, but Paul actually shifts there. He mentions the offices of apostle and prophet and teachers, but then he just says, working of miracles, gifts of healing, helps. He just uses one word there, helps. And then in the next, he uses one word, administration or leadership. The word that's used there actually comes from the word of a person who was steering a boat, a helmsman. So is that leadership? Is that steering? But in other words, Paul is giving us a second list here. So again, I kind of grew up in the charismatic sphere, and we kind of almost committed to memory the nine gifts that are mentioned in the first part of 1 Corinthians 12. But what we need to understand is almost every time that the New Testament gives us a list, we should not see it as exhaustive. We should not see it as exclusive. And here is a clear example of that. Because Paul gives us a list of nine at the beginning of the chapter, but then he throws in some more at the end of the chapter. Helps and either administration and, and leadership. If you go to Romans chapter 12, where he again is talking about how the Spirit works in our midst, he mentions a couple others there. He talks about encouragement. He talks about mercy. So when we are looking at lists, particularly lists that are given to us in the New Testament, we need to understand that those lists are absolutely accurate because they are part of the inerrant Word of God. But those lists are not exhaustive. That's not the way God intends us to look at lists. When you look at that long list of sins at the end of Romans chapter 1, is that every sin? No, of course not. Paul is just giving us that list so that we understand the kind of thing he's talking about. When we look at the list of the fruit of the Spirit, the nine in Galatians, are that the only nine fruit of the Spirit? No, of course not. Of course not. So we want to make sure when we're considering the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that if we grew up in a charismatic influence, that we don't just consider the nine that are listed at the beginning of the chapter 12 as the only way that the Spirit works, as the only gifts of the Spirit. In fact, if you go back to the building of the tabernacle, you may remember two individuals, Bezalel and Aholiab, who were given an anointing, a gifting, an impartation of the Spirit to do what? Carpentry and metalwork, and tapestry. That was the work of the Holy Spirit. It says they were given a unique anointing of the Holy Spirit to work with wood and stone and metal and fabric. That was no less the work of the Spirit than the words that Jeremiah uttered that we are reading together today. So there's something that we need to understand that the Spirit works in many and varied different ways. And sometimes if you've grown up in a charismatic church or if you've grown up in a Pentecostal church, you may kind of think of the gifts of the Spirit as things like tongues or prophecy or healing. And absolutely, those are gifts of the Spirit. But so is administration. Balancing the books, coming up with a budget that honors the Lord, leadership, helping. I mean, how broad a category is helping, showing mercy, comforting. These are no less gifts and workings 
and manifestations of the Spirit. And you see, what was actually happening in Corinth, which is clear particularly from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, is Corinth was really exalting the gift of tongues. And basically what was happening in Corinth is tongues was being given sort of a preeminent or first place position among the gifts of the Spirit. And that was really, that was the, the spectacular indication that God was present, was the manifestation of the gift of tongues. Now, if you look at 1 Corinthians 14 very carefully, Paul does something that's very hard to do. Because he never once disparages the gift of tongues, but he also very clearly corrects the Corinthians in them misunderstanding it as being the ultimate gift of the Spirit. In fact, there's a couple places where he actually calls it a lesser gift. And he spends a bit of time in 1 Corinthians 14 saying that the tongues is really of no benefit to the body unless it is interpreted. So we want to make sure that we acknowledge all the many different ways that the Spirit of God works in his people. And we want to look at the samplings that these New Testament lists give us and take them seriously. And yes, of course, tongues is a gift of the Spirit. And yes, of course, prophecy is a gift of the Spirit. And yes, of course, miraculous healing is a gift of the Spirit. And we don't want to ignore those. There are certain branches of the church that have de-emphasized those, even ignored those, to the point of saying no longer is the Spirit of God working that way in the church today. We don't want to do that. But we don't want to also fall into that, I believe, sort of charismatic pitfall of saying tongues and prophecy and healing, those are the only gifts of the Spirit that we recognize. Those are the only gifts of the Spirit that are the wow sort of gifts, and that's what we put more emphasis on than anything else, because that's not at all what Scripture says. You can be powerfully under the anointing of the Lord when you help somebody. When you show mercy to somebody. When you are an administrator. You know, we don't see her much anymore because of the situation with her husband, but Edith is an incredible administrator. And I have no doubt, I don't even know if Edith is listening. If she is, I know she's horrifically embarrassed at this point. <laughs> but Edith is an incredible administrator. I have worked with her closely for 30 years. And she is absolutely gifted by the Holy Spirit in administration. Now, you will never, ever, ever see her stand up here because that would mortify her. You will never hear her speak a word of prophecy. I don't think you'll ever hear her give a tongue and have it interpreted. That's not her gift. And yet we should never, ever think that because we won't see her stand up here and give a word of prophecy or speak in a tongue and have it interpreted that she's any less anointed by the Spirit of God. Because... Whenever Edith decides to retire, and I hope that's decades away, we are going to have a very, very, very hard time finding someone to replace her because she's gifted in administration. And that's a gift of the Holy Spirit. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. So what Paul does here is amazing because he kind of, he kind of reels the Corinthians back in. And he says, yes, 
you guys are praying in tongues. That's wonderful. I wish all of you would pray in tongues. That's a great thing. But what I really want you to do, first and foremost, more than anything else, is focus on love. And let love be the foundation of how the gifts operate. And secondly, I really want you to focus on the gifts that build up the body. Because if you read 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 in their entirety, Paul uses that phrase about five or six times. Paul wants to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation more than any others that are the gifts that build up the body. Encourage and comfort and edify. Those are the gifts that he wants to see. And so Paul does something that's a little bit difficult to do. He kind of wants to to temper the zeal of the Corinthians in that it seems like they were all praying in tongues at the same time, and it was hard to understand anything that was going on, and tongues had sort of become like this, this mark of true spirituality. He never wants to denigrate the gift of tongues because he recognizes that tongues absolutely is a gift of the Spirit and is to be recognized as such. But he wanted to make sure that the Corinthians were operating in the gifts of the Spirit in a way that honored the Lord. And that's not necessarily an easy balance. Because again, kind of what we've seen the church do is we've seen the church go in one of two different ways. Completely ignore the gifts, discount the gifts, or even say that they're not an operation for today. Because the gifts make me nervous. The gifts make me a little scared. You know, hearing someone pray in a different tongue is, is a little weird, is a little strange. In fact, Paul himself at 1 Corinthians 14 even says, look, if you guys have gathered together and you're all praying in tongues and an unbeliever walks in, won't they say you guys are crazy? Won't they say you guys are crazy? That's exactly what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. And so there are, there are, are, are genuine streams of Christianity that have said, you know what? We're just going to push all of that to the side. And then there are other streams that embrace everything. And no matter what is happening in a gather of believers, well, because we're gathered in the name of Jesus, it must be the Lord. It has to be the Lord, and anything goes. Anything goes. There are streams of Christianity that look at the gifts of the Spirit in that way. But if you read 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14... No way, no way does Paul say anything goes. But he also doesn't say the gifts are not for you. So the balance that Paul gives us in these two chapters, well, it's it's the word of the Lord. It's perfect. It's perfect. So we can't be on one extreme and say, hey, it must be God. Anything goes. Nor can we be on the other extreme and say, well, that makes me a little nervous. I don't think that's for today, so let's just leave that for somebody else or another period of time. What we want to do is to take these words as the command of the Lord and not to ignore them. So when it comes to the diversity of gifts, we need to embrace the fullness of the ways in which the Spirit operates in our midst. And some of the gifts are spectacular. 
and some of the gifts are less spectacular. Balancing the books is not really an awe-inspiring, like, whoa! But it's a gift of the Spirit. Cooking a meal for someone, showing mercy to someone, handing a homeless person a bag of food at the door. These are a little less spectacular than, than standing up here and saying, thus says the Lord, or standing up here and speaking a tongue and having it interpreted. These gifts are a little less spectacular than that, but they are no less an operation of the Holy Spirit. And they should be recognized as such. They should be recognized as such. Because one of the real dangers when you start diving into the gifts of the Spirit is there becomes a lot of comparison, there becomes a lot of competition, there becomes a lot of judgment and evaluation. And, and, and the portion of, of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we missed, that we skipped, talks about the body of Christ. And it talks about how there's many, many different members in the body of Christ. There's some members that feel kind of useless. There's some members that feel kind of useless. And Paul says, no, every member is absolutely vital. There's some members that are a little full of themselves. And there's some members that say, well, I'm way more important than other members. And Paul says, no, absolutely not. You are no more important than any other member. So he uses this incredible illustration of eyes and ears and hands and, and feet and says, look, every member of the body is necessary. So if your problem is, when you consider the gifts of the Spirit, you say, well, my gifts are not very spectacular, or I'm not even sure I have any gifts, then you need to remember that you are just as vital a member of the body of Christ as anyone else. If your gifts are a little bit more on the spectacular side, a little bit more on the obvious side, you may start to get puffed up and say, wow, you know, I'm, I'm pretty important. And wow, look at, look at the gift that I have. Well, remember, every member of the body is just as essential as you are. And don't get puffed up with pride. You see, again, the enemy gets us. We either get puffed up with pride, thinking more of ourselves than we should, or we get really, really down and think that we don't play a significant role. And the Apostle Paul says, no, no. Every member of the body is equally necessary. Every gift of the Spirit is equally necessary. And so we need to make sure that we hold that in balance. So as you are operating in your gift, try to avoid the temptation of your comparing yourself to somebody else. Well, I can't play the guitar the way that, that Carl does, or I can't be an encourager the way Dan is, or, or whatever we may think. Don't compare yourself to somebody else unless it is to inspire you to walk in a more godly way. Be content with the gifts that God has given you. Be content with the, God, the gifts that God has given you and do everything you can to operate in those. Here's something else that's so important. Looking again at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. It says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. So there's not one of you here whether you're sitting in the sanctuary, sanctuary or whether you are on Zoom, there's not one of you here that has not been given a spiritual gift. 
to each one a manifestation of the Spirit is given. To each one a manifestation of the Spirit is given. Nobody's left out. Nobody is left out. Every single one of you has been given a manifestation of the Spirit. This is the command of the Lord. So whatever your gift is, you need to be grateful to the Lord for it, and you need to do everything that you can to walk in it. Because why have you been given a manifestation of the Spirit? Well, it's the last part of verse 7. For the common good. For the common good. For building up, for encouraging, for comforting. Those words that Paul uses repeatedly in this section of Scripture. God has given each one of you a manifestation of his Spirit. Each one of you has been given a manifestation of his Spirit. Why? For the common good. For the good of the body. To bless and encourage and strengthen and build up the body. That's why God has done it. That's why God has done it. So when you look at yourself, honestly ask the Lord, Lord, what gifts have you given me? Some of you are very aware of that, and that's a wonderful thing. Others of you may be a little less aware of that, and that's okay. But absolutely know unequivocally, each one of you has been given a manifestation of the Spirit. And it has been given to you for the common good of the body. So Enoch, whatever he's given you, it's for the blessing of Tim sitting right behind you. And Tim, whatever he has given you, it is for the common good of Liz who's sitting behind you. This is the way we need to think. When we come together, this is the way we need to think. We need to think, wow, God has given me something. God has given me a manifestation of the Spirit. And it is for the benefit, it is for the common good of those that are part of the fellowship that I find myself in. And again, this has nothing to do with age. This has nothing to do with maturity. This has nothing to do with theological training. Paul doesn't list any of those as criteria. So Josh Runkel, you're the youngest one that I see in our midst. God has given you a manifestation of the Spirit for the benefit of those sitting around you. Not because you're the oldest, or not because you're the most godly in character, or not because of any of that. It's because you're a member of the body. And I don't know who the oldest is. I'm not going to call out the oldest, whoever that might be. But God has given you a manifestation of the Spirit. And that is for the common benefit. This is the way we need to think. And the reason why I'm calling people out by name is because when we look at the Apostle Paul talking about the gifts of the Spirit, it really reminds us that we are a body. We know each other. We share life together. We don't just come together for a couple hours on Sunday, or at least it shouldn't be that. It should really be that we know each other, that we love each other, that we're there for each other. And one of the most beautiful ways that that happens is through the gifts of the Spirit. It's through the gifts of the Spirit because we look to the Lord and say, wow, Lord, you've given me something 
but it's not just for me. You've given me something so that I can be of benefits, that I can encourage and strengthen and edify my sisters and brothers in Christ. That's how we need to think. Now, you heard me say this in November. I'm going to say it again. It's much harder to see that happen if you are not physically here. Again, we are live streaming on Zoom, our Sunday service, and we are not planning on stopping that. But that is simply for people who physically cannot be here. If you are simply using Zoom as a convenience, you need to stop that. You have to stop that. We are not live streaming our Sunday service to make it easier for you to fellowship with us. We are continuing to live stream our Sunday service because we have some people who simply physically cannot be here. You know, we really kind of take showing up on Sunday, some of us, as, well, you know, I'll get there if I can. But, but, but that's so far removed from the New Testament vision of a gathering of believers. It's so far removed from a New Testament perspective on a gathering believers. I'm going to actually say something that's a little hard. If you are not here on a Sunday and you can be, you are actually just being selfish. You're just being selfish. If you can be here physically and you are choosing not to be because you just don't feel like it or you don't want to or you're feeling lazy, you are simply being selfish. Because God has given you a manifestation of the Spirit. And that manifestation of the Spirit is for the common good. It is for the common good. So when you choose not to be here, and I'm not talking about legitimate reasons. We all get sick. We all travel. We all have extenuating circumstances. But if you are consistently not here, and someone were to ask you, hey, do you have a church? Yeah, I do. What is your church? Living Word. Do they ever see you there? Now, I realize people on Zoom, you may be really mad at me. Well, you're on Zoom. You can't do much. <laughs> I'm not saying this because I want to make people on Zoom feel good. I'm saying this because I'm absolutely convinced this is the expectation of the Lord. We are not live streaming our service on Zoom to make it convenient for lazy American Christians. We are live streaming our service on Zoom because there are some of us who physically cannot be here. But if you can be here, and you are choosing not to be here, of course you're hurting yourself, but you're hurting the body of Christ. Because a manifestation of the Spirit has been given to you for the good of your sisters and brothers. Now again, I realize that's not a, a super popular word. I said something very similar to this in November, and it was very ironic because I was preaching the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and the next Sunday I was in Ohio, so I wasn't here. 
I was telling my cousin that, who is a believer, because I saw him over Thanksgiving. He's like, well, that was pretty convenient, huh? You ream everyone out and tell them you're supposed to be there, and then the next Sunday you're gone. I was like, yeah, I guess the timing of that wasn't too good, but Lord willing, I will be here next Sunday. Lord willing, no, no trip to Ohio is planned. And again, I'm not trying to offend people on Zoom. I'm trying to challenge you to do what the Lord is asking of you. And the truth of it is, if Living Word community is to be what the Lord wants us to be, we need to be together. Now, COVID threw that sideways. I realized that. And there were things that we had to deal with. I realized that. And I know I gave that word in November, and then Omicron came, and that freaked a lot of us out. I know that. But we've got to make a priority doing what the Lord asks of us. And if we really want to continue to see the Lord have his hand upon living word community, then we need to take seriously what he's asking of us. And at a minimum, what he's asking of us is being here. Being here. I'm not talking about some sort of legalistic, attendance-keeping, you know, religion. I'm talking about wanting to show up because we want God to use us. Because we want God to be present. Every single one of you, every single one of you has been given a manifestation of the Spirit. And it is for the benefit of your sisters and brothers. But if you physically are not here, and you can be, then that's missing. A couple of years ago, I was talking to someone, and it was the Sunday of the women's retreat. And we were saying, yeah, just how, how weird it is during the women's retreat. And we were saying, yeah, well, it should be. Half of us are missing. If Sunday of the women's retreat seemed normal, then something is gravely wrong. You know, if it seems normal that we are worshiping the Lord in a normal way when half of us are missing, then something is really wrong. It should seem wrong when some of the members are missing. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 12. If a body doesn't have a foot, there's something wrong with that body. And that's a serious thing. I mean, there really are people who have lost their feet, lost their hands, lost their eyes. Paul's not saying this in a light way or in a, in, in a humorous way. Paul's saying, look, if a body doesn't have a foot, there's something wrong with that body. If a body doesn't have an ear, there's something wrong with that body. So if you are part of this body and you are not here, then there's something wrong with our body. There's just, there's no other way to say that. There's no other way to say that. Okay, let's move on. You can see that this is something that is, is, is something I'm passionate about. But I believe it's something that the Lord is passionate about. We're not just looking to fill the pews. I mean, that would be wonderful. Pastor Buck always said he'd love to see the pews filled. And, and if the Lord has that for us, that's fine. But what we are looking for is, is if this is your body, you need to be here. Because if you're not, we are missing something. And of course, you are missing something. So let's come together as the body of Christ every Sunday. What a blessing. What a blessing. The early church was actually meeting every day. That's what the book of Acts tells us. The early church was meeting every day every day and it wasn't because they had a bishop that was going to punish them if they didn't or there was some they wanted to they wanted to they were meeting every day because they wanted to so anyways the gifts of the spirit 
What's also very important for us to understand is that every one of us has a manifestation of the Spirit, but we don't all have the same manifestation of the Spirit. Let's look again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27, excuse me, verses 28 and 29. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then the working of miracles, then gifts of healing, then helps, then administration, then speaking in different tongues. Now look at the question that Paul asked in verse 29. Are all apostles? Well, Paul doesn't answer that question because he thinks we should know the answer. I'm going to let you answer that. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Uh Uh-oh, here's the bad one. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. There is a charismatic myth that that verse completely destroys. Everyone prays in tongues. No. Nope. It's not the only indication of the working of the Spirit. It is one of the indications of the working of the Spirit. It is not the only one. And unfortunately, over the decades, so much damage and so much hurt has been done by the unbiblical expectation that the only legitimate manifestation of the Spirit is speaking in tongues. It is not. It is not. And we need to make sure that we are aligning ourselves with the truth of Scripture. Now, later in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the Apostle Paul says, I want all of you to pray in tongues. That was his desire. But even more so, I want all of you to prophesy. So yes, absolutely, it was a desire of Paul to see that. But what he clearly understood was that that was not always and going to be the only way that the Spirit of God manifested himself when he was at work in an individual. We do not all pray in tongues. We do not all pray in tongues. Just like we are not all apostles, we are not all prophets, we are not all going to work miracles, we're not all going to have gifts of healing. God is going to give to you what he has allotted for you. Look again at verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. God does it. God chooses. Now, we are absolutely encouraged to seek, to be zealous, to be intent on. That's a word the Apostle Paul uses frequently. Look again at the end of verse 30. It says, excuse me, uh, yes, 31, excuse me, not the end of verse 30, the beginning of verse 31, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. Chapter 14, verse 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire or be intent on the spiritual gifts. 
So absolutely, God wants us to be thinking about, praying about, desiring to see the gifts of the Spirit and operation not only in our body, but in us individually. So you should be seeking the Lord, intent on, asking the Lord, pursuing the Lord for the gifts of the Spirit. If you are not, then we are corrected. We are rebuked, which is one of the things the Word of God does. It rebukes us. I think the kind of sermon I'm delivering today, if any of us walk away and don't feel rebuked, then I think probably we had our earbuds in. Because I think this is hitting all of us in one way or another. I think this is challenging, correcting, teaching, rebuking all of us in one way or another. If it's not, then I don't know. Maybe you're not hearing my sermon. Because as I was looking at this, I was being challenged and corrected and rebuked. So when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, two things again that absolutely work in harmony We should be zealously, diligently, eagerly, excitedly seeking the Lord for them. But we should know also that it is ultimately God's own choosing. Verse 28. And in the church, God has appointed. Verse 11. As he desires... Verse 29, verse 28, God has appointed. Yes, you have absolutely open invitation to seek the Lord, pursue the Lord, be hungry, and you should be. If you are not intent on the gifts of the Spirit, if you are not desiring the gifts of the Spirit, you are actually in violation of the principles that Paul establishes here. But ultimately, it's up to the Lord. It's ultimately up to the Lord. Years ago, I was ministering in Eastern Europe for an extended period of time, and I was working with someone who had an amazing gift of healing, an unbelievable gift of healing. Every gathering we had, he would pray for sick people and they would be healed. And he would always, always do something that I absolutely hated. He would encourage all of us just to turn around and pray for the sick people that were right next to you. And I hated that. Because I prayed for sick people and they never got healed. I had prayed for sick people over and over and over again and I'd never seen a sick person healed. And so I hated that. I hated that. I said, look, you just pray for the sick people because God heals them through you. When I pray for the sick people, nothing happens. And I get mad and disappointed and the sick person stays sick. Well, there was a time that I was on my own in a rural part of the country And I was asked to share at a meeting, and I really didn't want to, but I went anyways. And at the end, there were a couple people who came forward and were asking for prayer. And I didn't understand what they were asking prayer for because my ability to speak in the language, this is when I was in Bulgaria, didn't really understand Bulgarian that well. But there were five people, I think all of them women, on their knees in front of me, And I just prayed in English over each one of them, the most basic, simple prayer. 
God, show them that you love them. God, show them that you care about them. God, show them how much they mean to you, just laying my hands on each one. And I was so discouraged because I said, you know, I know what these women are expecting. They're expecting the powerful, anointed American preacher who just has miracles pouring out of his fingertips to come and do incredible things. And I've never, ever, ever seen that happen in my life. So I was about as sinfully attitude as I could be. Well, as I'm praying and finishing up, one of these women starts standing up and screaming at the top of her lungs, praise the Lord, of course, in Bulgarian, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I mean, she is hysterical. No idea what's going on. And then I see one of the most bizarre things that I've ever seen at a Christian meeting. My Bulgarian mother, the host family that I was staying with, calls her over, starts talking to her, and my Bulgarian mother takes her hand and puts it down the front of this woman's shirt, right on her breast. And I'm like, Lord, I have no idea what's going on here. I have never seen this before. And what my Bulgarian mother told me is this woman had breast cancer. It was so big, it was a lump that could be felt with the hand. And at that moment, Jesus took it away. Now, of course, first and foremost, Jesus had incredible mercy and compassion on that woman. But he also leveled me. Dave, I can perform the miracles of healing through you anytime I want. And if I choose not to, are you really going to make that an issue between you and me? I stood rebuked. I didn't even know what I was praying for. And the Lord removed, physically removed, a tumor. He can do whatever he wants through you. He gives you gifts as he chooses. And you know what? I've never, ever, ever gotten discouraged since if I pray for a sick person and they don't get healed. I'm going to keep praying for sick people. I am. But if I never see another one healed, that's okay. Because the Lord gives gifts as he chooses. I know there are people who have the gift of healing. I know there are people who regularly pray for sick people and they see sick people healed. Praise God. But if that's not the gift he's given you, that's okay. Now, can you ask the Lord for the gift of healing? Of course you can. That's what Paul is saying. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. Of course he can. But your father may say, no, that's not what I have for you. You see, and what eventually I began to realize with me is what my father was saying is, Dave, I don't have healings for you. That's not how I want you to be of benefit to the body. I've given you a much less spectacular ministry, the ministry of teaching. And as I became more mature in the Lord and I started to grow in the Lord, I realized, wow, my gift is to study and sit and study and try to prepare messages that are going to be a benefit to the body. I'd love to be that guy that says, hey, come on up and you'll leave your crutches here and your blind eyes will be open. I mean, isn't that, isn't that a spectacular ministry? That's an amazing ministry. And praise God for the people who genuinely are used by the Lord in that way. Some of them, of course, are hucksters. But praise God. But, but very early on, the Lord told me, that's not what I have for you. Okay. You're my dad. 
you know best. If that's not the ministry you have for me, help me to be faithful with what you have given me. That's what we want. God has given to each one of you a manifestation of the Spirit. God has given each one of you a measure of talents. And when you stand before the Lord, he's not going to say, hey, Jeff, what did you do with the gifts I gave Ephraim? He's not going to say, hey, Alexi, what did you do with the gifts that I gave Aria? He's not. He's not going to ask you, what did you do with the gifts that I gave somebody else? He's going to ask you, hey, Camille, what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? Didi, what did you do with the impartation of the Spirit that I gave you? As we see the Spirit of God working in our sisters and brothers, we should be grateful. We should be excited. We should praise the Lord for that. But we shouldn't in a jealous way covet that or in a sinful way think of ourselves less because the Lord doesn't use us in that way or think of ourselves more because the Lord uses us in a certain way. We should remember that God places in his church each of us in accordance with his purposes. God gives to each one of us a manifestation of the Spirit. And it's different. Praise God. It's different. The body works not because everyone's a foot, not because everyone's an ear. The body works because the foot is being a foot. The foot doesn't try to smell. The ear doesn't try to see. The tongue doesn't try to touch. Well, if you're a little kid, you touch with your tongue. Bad example. But the body works when each member of the body is doing what the Lord called it to do. That's when the body works properly. That's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Lord is asking of us. God gives perfectly. Yes, diligently seek him. Absolutely. If you want the gift of prophecy, ask him. If you want to pray in tongues, ask him. If you want to see miracles of healing, ask him. There's nothing wrong with asking. And in fact, he wants you to ask. He wants you to seek. He wants you to be diligent. But if he says that's not for you, then be okay with that. And say, okay, Lord, what do you have for me? Because not one of us is left out. It's Christmas and everyone gifts a gift. It's Christmas and everyone gets a gift. That's the great thing. And the body of Christ works when the gifts work together. Okay? I see, wow, already been an hour. There's more stuff that I want to get to. I don't know if we should do it next week. Are you guys okay? I don't mind going longer if you guys are okay going a little longer. Are you guys ready to go? I know we got little kids downstairs. Bethy, should we just cut things short because we got kids downstairs? All right, we'll go a little bit longer. You guys okay a little bit longer? See, the nice thing is when you're overseas, you just go as long as you want. Nobody cares. You know, we're here more kind of like the clock and, you know, the clock. And, and I don't want to bore you guys, and I don't want to talk endlessly as you know I can. But there is a, a bit more that I want us to get to. 
there is a bit more that I want us to get to. Um, so let's look, 1 Corinthians 14. Let's look at, at verses 1 to 5, and then again, like we did in chapter 12, we're going to jump to the end. Remember, love, 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 foundation of it all. We're skipping chapter 13, but if the gifts are not operating in love, they are useless. That's what the Apostle Paul says. If the gifts of the Spirit are not operating in love, they are worthless. They must operate in love. Now, 1 Corinthians 14, 1-5. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For everyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with the Spirit. But everyone who prophesies speak to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be edified. Okay, so here is where Paul is beginning to do a deeper dive into tongues and prophecy. Both of them are gifts of the Spirit. Not everyone prays in tongues. Not everyone prophesies. We've seen that clearly from the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But Paul is desiring to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. He wants to see those gifts being used when the people of God come together. But here are some of the ground rules he lays. He says, look, if you speak in a tongue, nobody understands what you're saying. Okay? So what we see here is that this manifestation of tongues is a little bit different than the manifestation of tongues in Acts chapter 2. Because there the Holy Spirit was giving the gift of tongues, but as they were speaking, the people in the audience actually understood. So there is a gift of tongues that is a gift of the Spirit, where the speaker is speaking in a language that they've never learned, but someone in the audience actually understands. So it's if I started to speak in perfect Swahili, and there was someone here who understood Swahili. Now, I don't know Swahili. I've never studied Swahili. But the Spirit of God could certainly give me the ability to do that. That's one of the manifestations of the gifts of tongues, is to be able to speak in a language you've never learned, but the listener understands. That's not the kind of tongues that Paul is talking about here. Because he says here, if you speak in the tongues, nobody understands what you're saying. You're speaking mysteries. Now, he doesn't denigrate that. Remember, there are some who are skeptical about tongues who say, well, when you're speaking in tongues, you're just babbling or it's just gibberish. No, Paul says absolutely not. You are speaking something legitimately, but it's a mystery. So this is a, a, a language that nobody understands. And that's why he says, look, that's of no benefit to anyone. If I stand up here and start speaking in a tongue right now, that will be of no benefit to you. Why? Paul says, because you don't understand it. You don't understand it. He says that person is not edifying the body. That person is edifying themselves. And he says that's fine. That's fine. Later what he's going to say though is if that tongue is manifesting itself and there is no interpreter, that person should be silent and simply speak to themselves and God. Because it's of no benefit to the body. 
I speak in tongues. I started speaking in tongues when I was 17. I pray in tongues almost every day. As far as I know, no one has ever heard me speak in tongues. Why? Because I've never had the sense that my tongue is ever going to be interpreted. It's not for you. Now, there may come a point where God makes it clear to me that my tongue is for you. And then what he will do is he will raise up someone to interpret it for you. But if I'm never convinced of that, you will never hear me speak in tongues. It's for me and God. That's what 1 Corinthians 14 says. And so what he is saying is I would much rather have you prophesy. I would much rather have you prophesy. Why? Because when you prophesy, the church understands you. And that's a far greater benefit. In fact, he actually says, I would much rather come to you and speak five words. I am the Apostle Paul. There's five. He says, I would much rather come to you and speak five words than 10,000 in a tongue. And he said, you know, actually, I speak in tongues more than all of you, and I'm glad I do. That's what he says. But you're never going to hear him speak in a tongue because it's of no benefit to them because they won't understand. They're uttering a mystery. So if you have the gifts of tongues, thank the Lord for it. That's a wonderful gift. But unless it is going to be interpreted, that is for you and God. That's what he says. But in verse 5, he gives that big exception. Unless the tongue is interpreted, then it is of benefit to the body of Christ. Now, from time to time, we see that happen here. We see someone speak in a tongue, and then we see someone give the interpretation. That's what Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians 14. And so there are times that a tongue is being manifest by the Spirit because the Spirit then is also going to manifest the gift of interpretation. And then the audience will hear and understand, and it will build them up. But, if no interpretation is going to come, then that tongue is for you and the Lord. That's what he says. So, here's the million-dollar question. How do you know if your tongue is going to be interpreted or not? Well, again, these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As far as I know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, there are no absolutes except God himself. As elders and shepherds of this community, we try to do the best we can to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. But we are not perfect. And we are not going to be perfect anytime soon. I actually don't really know for sure how you know whether your tongue is going to be interpreted or not. Paul doesn't give us that level of fine detail. Last week, if you were here, Joan Hornack approached Ted because Ted was the elder of service. And Joan said, you know, I think I have a tongue that is going to be interpreted. And Ted said, okay, give your tongue. And so she stood up here and gave a tongue. And of course, as she was speaking it, did any of you understand what she was saying? No, of course not. That's exactly what Paul was saying. She was speaking mysteries. That's what he says. But then shortly thereafter, Scott gave the interpretation. Then you understood because Scott was speaking in English. And we could understand what Scott was saying. That's what he's talking about here. Tongues that are to be manifest to the entire gathering of believers are only tongues that are going to be interpreted. 
Jump with me now to the end of chapter 14 because he gives even more detail. So picking it up in verse 26. What then shall we say, brethren? When you come together, everyone has a psalm or a word of instruction or a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to control of the prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. So there also is a misconception that used to circulate a lot more in charismatic circles that I think absolutely stands corrected in this passage. When the Spirit of God comes on me, I can't control myself. No. How, how, if that is true, how could Paul say only two at most three? And if one person is prophesying and another starts, then the one who is should stop and let the other one go. If, 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 if that is true in public worship, then absolutely this passage is not. There has been a myth in charismatic circles that when the Spirit of God comes on me, I have no control. I don't believe that. Because that's not what the Scriptures teach us. That's not what the Scriptures teach us. We don't diminish the manifestation of the Spirit. We don't diminish the work of the Spirit by doing things in an orderly way. Again, the church has put up a false choice. Be orderly and have no gifts or have gifts and no order. Unfortunately, the, the evangelical church in America has made it that choice. No, I refuse that. I refuse to say it's either gifts of the Spirit and no order, anything goes, or no gifts of the Spirit and order. No, I believe it's actually what the Scriptures say, the gifts of the Spirit in good order. That's what Paul says. That's what Paul says. He's giving clear guidelines for the Corinthian assembly. Why? Because he wants to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. But he wants to see them in operation in a way that actually benefit the body. That's what Paul was all about. And doing it out of love. So, what is the system that we have in place here? It's not a perfect system. And any thoughts or ideas that you have, we as elders are 100% open to hear. But every Sunday, we have an elder of service, is what we call him. One of us is designated to preach. One of us is designated to kind of shepherd the service. Now, we don't just do that lightly. We really believe that whichever elder is shepherding the service that Sunday, we believe that he really is going to be led by the Spirit. Now, that's a huge step of faith. That's not science. That's not 10 steps. That's not, you know, I couldn't write a book about that. We just, we just trust and believe that whoever is the elder of service, we believe that the Spirit of God is going to be genuinely leading and directing him. So if you have something, and we want you to have something, 
We want you. What does Paul say in, 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 in verse 26? What then shall we say? When you come together, everyone has a psalm. You should come with expectation. You should come saying, wow, the Spirit of the Lord has deposited something in me, and it's for the benefit of the body of Christ. It may not be a word gift. It may be helping. It may be serving. It may be administering. But every one of you should come with expectation. Again, another problem in the American church is that we have become spectators. We don't want to come with spectation. We want to come with expectation. So if you feel like the Lord is stirring something in you, if you feel like you have a tongue that's going to be interpreted, if you have a word of prophecy, if you think the Lord has given you a gift to pray for someone to heal, then what, what, what we do here is we ask you to come to the elder of service and, and share with him what you believe the Lord has put on your heart. Prophets are subject to prophets. Paul is saying that you can't just do your own thing. You submit. The word that's used there is submit. You submit to the authority that God has established. The gifts of the Spirit doesn't mean authority is gone. The gifts of the Spirit doesn't mean anything goes. But good order doesn't mean the gifts of the Spirit are absent. We have to find a way to bring those together. The gifts of the Spirit operating in good order for the building up of the body. And as long as I've been at Living Word, that's what I've seen the elders of this congregation try to do. What other church service could you go to where you could actually walk up in the middle of service, say, I think the Lord has something for me to share and actually be able to share it? I have never, ever, ever been to another service where that happens. And ever since I've been at Living Word since 89, that happens here. Now, do we do it perfectly? No. I don't want to pat ourselves on the back. I'm going to throw my elbow out and God will humble me. But that's what we're striving for. We're striving for. So if you feel like you have a tongue that's going to be interpreted or have a word of prophecy or have a gift of healing or have something like that, come and talk to the elder of service and say, look, this is what I, I think the Lord is stirring and submit it to the elder. And he, we are believing, is being led by the Spirit of God. And we'll say either, yeah, I think that fits in with what's happening today or no, it doesn't. Now, again, if we say no, it doesn't, don't get offended. Don't get hurt. Prophets are submitted to prophets. You see, Paul is establishing submission there. Here is a, a character check, and I know this is going to ruffle some feathers. You know, if you bristle when you hear the word no, you need to check your attitude with the Lord. We've had, unfortunately, in the past, and none of you are here now so I can say this, we've had, unfortunately, in the past, spiritual renegades in our midst. People who thought they were above the authority of the elders. People who thought that they were so gifted of the Spirit, empowered of the Spirit, anointed of the Spirit, they could stand up anytime they wanted and say whatever they wanted. And how dare one of the elders say, that's, that's not the Lord. I've seen that. I've seen that here. If you feel like you are above the authority that the Lord has placed in his local body, you are not being led by the Spirit. <laughs> doesn't matter how beautiful your tongue sounds. You are not being led by the Spirit. And unfortunately, in the past, we've had some of those. And I've seen Buck and John and, 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 and Ted and Steve over the years deal with those situations. 
So if you come to the elder of service, believe me, we want to hear from you. We want the body to hear from you because we absolutely believe the Lord has deposited something in you that's of benefit to the body. But if it doesn't fit for that Sunday, just say, okay, and we'll try to fit it in. I'm going to give Eric as an example because I know he won't mind. A couple of weeks ago, the Lord clearly gave him a word. But because of what was happening up front, he wasn't able to come forward till the very end of the service. But it was the very end of the service. So I just said, hey, Eric, I think that's a great word, but let's, can it wait till next week? And he said, yes, absolutely. And then the next week he shared it. Now, was I right? I don't know. Should he have shared it that first Sunday? Possibly. I mean, when I'm the elder of service, I'm never going to say I know absolutely. Very rarely can I say those sorts of things. If I'm teaching the word, yeah, I, I'm much more confident about saying yes, absolutely. When I'm the elder of service, I actually love it when Ted's the elder of service or when Ephraim's the elder of service because I'm like, hey, they've got to worry about it, not me. I can just worship Jesus today because we do take that seriously. And, and we're not doing it perfectly. Of course we're not. But what we are trying to do is honor the Lord. We are absolutely trying to honor the Lord. And so, yes, we want you to be moved by the Spirit in our midst. We want you to do what is of benefit to your sisters and brothers around you. But we also want to follow the guidelines that Paul gives. Two or at most three. And if it's a tongue, it's to be interpreted and only speaking one at a time. And if it's a word of prophecy, that's submitted to the other prophets. So there is some order to it. And I actually believe that in the government of God... Order doesn't extinguish the work of the Spirit. It inflames the work of the Spirit. I absolutely believe that. Submitting to authority doesn't hinder the work of the Spirit. Submitting to authority causes the work of the Spirit to explode. Living Word, that's what we want. That's what we want. We're not there. I know it. I'm one of the elders. I'll be the first to admit it. We're not there. But I want us to get there. As I believe almost every one of you, if not every one of you sitting here, wants us to get there. That's what the Lord has for us. That's what we want. So just so you all know, we want to continue to be a place where the Spirit is free to move. We want to continue to be a place where we are convinced that each one of you has something to offer the body of Christ. Now that may be a conversation afterwards, a prayer afterwards, or it may be something that's a bit more upfront and public. If you believe the Spirit of the Lord is stirring you that way, then approach the elder of service and say, hey, look, I think I have a tongue that's going to be interpreted. Or Hey, look, I think I have a word of prophecy. Or, hey, look, the Lord showed me this this week. What do you think if I share that? Ask the elder of service and then submit. And trust that the Lord is leading the elder of service. And I think as we all continue to really press into that, we will hopefully see even more so the gifts of the Spirit in operation here. Well, there was a little bit more, but now I'm definitely going to close. I appreciate that extra 25 minutes that you gave me. If you nodded off, that's totally fine. It's a lot easier not to fall asleep when you're standing up here than it is when you're sitting there. And I know you all lost an hour of sleep last night. Sorry about that as well. But 
Dive into 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 for yourselves. Because there's so much fruit, there's so much good, there's so much power that is there. You know, yesterday my wife asked, are you going to do an altar call? I said, you know what, I don't think so. Because that's not me. Now, Ephraim's the elder of service. He may do an altar call. And if he does, praise God. But even as I was thinking about that yesterday, I was thinking, okay, Lord, am I going to try to be someone that you haven't called me to be? I'm not an altar call kind of guy. I just am not. I trust that the Lord is at work in you right there. But Ephraim, altar calls just pour out of him because that's who he is. And we see the Lord move powerfully through him in that way. So is he going to call you forward in a second? I don't know. But I trust that the Lord is leading him, and whatever he does will be from the heart of the Lord. But let's pray. Thank you so much for your patience. I know that was long. Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you so much for the gift of your Holy Spirit. I mean, wow, Lord. You have given us the third person of the Trinity. You have poured him out lavishly upon us, overflowing out of us. What a blessing that is. And we thank you for the gifts that he gives us. The vast diversity and, and, and beauty and wonder of the many, many different kinds of gifts that he gives us. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would readily embrace and recognize and acknowledge each one of them, whether they are quote-unquote spectacular or quote-unquote more ordinary. If they are the work of your spirit, they are powerful and beautiful and wonderful. And Father God, as a community of believers, we want to continue to see your spirit at work in our midst. And we want to do things, Lord, in a way that honors you. And so whatever you have for us on any given Sunday, tongues with interpretation or, or prophecy or, or gifts of healing or working of miracles or, or knowledge and wisdom or the other things that are listed or, or administration or helps or mercy or, or leadership, God, we want to see those gifts in operation when we gather. And so we just pray, Lord God, that you would help us, that you would help us, Lord, to pursue you, to press into you, to desire the greater gifts. And then to walk in them in a way that, that genuinely honors you, but then genuinely builds one another up. For the common good, for the common good. What you have given me is to bless my sisters and brothers. And what you have given to each one of them, to each one is given. What you have given to each one of them is to strengthen and encourage and edify their sisters and brothers as well. And Father, that's what we want to see. That's what we want to see when we come together. And so Jesus, it is in your name, in your name alone that we pray these things. Amen.